Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. I am so excited to be starting my week off with all of you. Thank you, as always, for tuning in each week. And if you're new to our Breast Cancer Conversation community, a huge welcome to you. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we are speaking with Elizabeth Peruca. She is a two-time breast cancer survivor, and 17 years later, she is sharing her story of how a post-surgery infection literally allowed her to heal and shed trauma. Currently, Elizabeth is a practicing yoga therapist. Her purpose is to help people deepen their wellness journey. Because of her personal life experiences, she has designed a healing modality that utilizes both yoga and active listening to help people in their own journey. She believes that to live with more satisfaction with our body, our emotions, and our relationships, as well as our life goals, we need to reclaim our body, listen to its messages, feel what is really going on with us, and speak our truth. So I got infection. It was localized. I had the infection at the beginning of the chemo. We just had to work along with this. Weirdly enough, that's when the best stuff happened also, the worst and the best. Welcome to the conversation. Well, hello, my name is Elizabeth Peruca. I am French. I was born in Paris. I um, I have lived, I've been living in the States, in Atlanta since 2006. And I am a double cancer survivor, 2004, and then second time 10 years later. I'm also um a yoga therapist. I live in Atlanta and I, uh, I'm also a teacher of French uh, as a foreign language. And, uh, and that's it. That's it for now. <laughs> that's it for now. Exactly. It's amazing how we think about like when we have to talk about ourselves, it's something I'm still getting comfortable with. And we wear so many hats, right? We can be moms, daughters, sisters, breast cancer survivors and thrivers, teachers. You know, it's really hard to kind of figure out like who we are at the essence and the core. So I appreciate the recap. You know, you touch upon um, a couple points that I think is going to be really interesting for our listeners, because when I was reading through your story and you were diagnosed in 2004, I immediately thought, wow, 17 years later, we still have this desire to share our story, to talk about the experiences that we've gone through. And, you know, I talked to a lot of women who are newly diagnosed and are absolutely horrified with everything because their world gets flipped upside down and you don't really have time to process yet. You're just in it and it's overwhelming. Even one to five years out later, I still find it very um, challenging to express everything that we're going through as we're trying to map out our experiences and make sense, not necessarily the negative of like, why me? Why did this happen to me? But because this happened to me, now what can I do? And I'm always impressed with these conversations of these amazing women and some men that come on our podcast to really talk about five years out, 10 years out, 15 years out, their experience and how it still feels like it happened yesterday, but how we are able to still move forward. So I would love to hear a little bit about your experience in 2004. How did you discover you had breast cancer? So I went to a yearly mammogram. My mom had been um, had had breast cancer maybe uh, when she was 51, actually. So uh, and I was diagnosed when I was 42. So maybe 
20 years before. I had a yearly mammogram and uh, I, I went there and the radiologist came back from um, his lab and said, there's something wrong. You need to go and see your, um, your, your doctor now. Mm. So right there after the mammogram, they could see something on the film thinking something was. Yeah, it was very, I mean, it was very clear that it was, it was going to be cancer. He didn't say the word, but I understood from the way he talked to me. Mm. This was in Paris where I, I lived at the time. And um, he, he made it clear this is serious and I need to act now. Okay. And was cancer on your radar at all when you were going in for your mammogram? Absolutely not. I was a uh, professional working in uh, communications in a very, very global company, uh, overworked and Parisian, going out all the time, a party girl. Um, I had no history of illness whatsoever in my life. So, um, no, this this was a complete uh, game change for me. Absolutely. I'm curious too, in Paris, what is the year, like the age in which they start doing mammography screening? I know in the US, it's typically around the age 40, unless you have like a high risk in your family. Yeah, I think it's more or less the same. I mean, the Western world, from what I understand, follows the same standard. All those oncologists from the Western world, they get together somewhere, mm-hmm. San Antonio or, you know. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And they go into conferences and they decide on standards. And so it's the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always curious about that, too. We've had a couple people on our show, too, from Canada, um, also from the UK. So just really trying to understand the different um, models and systems as well. I think that's always exciting and new information we can share. You know, even going to work and everything, people are like, oh, I'm going to be a little bit late. I just have my yearly mammogram. I'll be in around 10. And they say it's so nonchalant. Like, I, my heart always sinks. I'm like, oh, God, like your life, like, Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's going to be nothing. But, you know, it's good to get screened. And I encourage everyone to get screened, even post-COVID. You know, I know there's been delays and people have been hesitant to go and get their annual mammograms. But, you know, it's so important to keep up with the the screenings and the routine as well. You went in with, without anything, thinking you would walk out just totally fine. And then your doctor says, go see your doctor right away. We need to get this addressed. What happens next? Well, I go the next day to uh, my gynecologist in Paris and he's, you know, an older guy and he also is a surgeon and immediately looking at the x-rays, he said, yeah, okay, that's right. It's cancer. We need to get it out. No further need to do anything else. No uh, biopsy, no, no, nothing. Uh, He said, we're, you know, Hmm. we're just going to go and get this out. I think it's localized, but we're going to make sure you know, I went to do the usual, you know, MRIs and, uh, and you know, went through the whole motions and then went to surgery maybe t- 10 days later. Mm-hmm. And he was able That's to... That's so quick. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. He was able to do a lumpectomy and I uh, more or less, you know, I recovered from the surgery quite quickly. I was 42. I mean, you know, like, you know, quite healthy. Mm-hmm. And... And um, and then I waited another month to have an appointment with an oncologist this time. Okay, so the first step in your in your treatment plan was the surgery, get it out, get it removed, and then to see the oncologist. Yeah. 
And were at that point, were you discussing like chemotherapy or radiation? Oh, no. Oh, hell no. <laughs> I was hoping <laughs> no. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go back to work. I've got this magazine exactly. to go and print. It's fine. It's all fine. It was, you know, I was like into brackets. It's going to be, it was a long pause, but it was still a pause. And I was, for mm-hmm. me in my head, I was going back to work like probably in the next two to three weeks. Okay. So I went yeah. to see the oncologist, a man that I respected, that I tre- treat, that treated my mom previously, and he was extremely, you know, you know, kind and you know the kindest way possible. He told me, "Well, we're gonna have to do chemo." Oh boy! Exactly. So that's exactly my reaction in in front of him. And I, 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 I actually, I told him, I said, "Well, I've got work to do," and he said, "Well." Exactly. I know. I hear so many women too. It's like, I don't have time for this. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I live busy, crazy lives. Like, I can't just put my life on pause and now deal with this. I totally agree. Yeah. And so was it because of like the tumor characteristics that after the surgery, they were able to decide that you were it was you were a candidate then to receive chemotherapy? Yeah, it was the tumor's characteristics. Um, it grew fast. Mm. It was grade three. And uh, he said, you know, I mean, you're going to be fine. It's just to put you on a safe side because you're young. Right. We really need to do this. It's uh, And then mm-hmm. I, I remember, like it was yesterday, him writing the date of, you know, my, um, my off leave for how long I was going to be off. And yeah. I saw that it was going to be like about four months. And I'm like, I was oh, like, boy. yeah. But I mean, I, you know, I, it was another shock I had to swallow. Yeah, exactly. And did you end up doing any genetics testing if your mother also had breast cancer? No, no. No. I didn't really want to concentrate on the medical aspect. I knew I was in good hands. Mm -hmm. I really didn't even know quite of the characteristics of my tumor. And I just decided, you know what, they know what they do. I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the other side, the holistic care. And how did you tolerate the chemotherapies? Well, I mean, overall, they were really fine. I, I, brought around me a team of people to 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 help me there um there was my uh, my therapist i had an acupuncturist an amazing woman called oh, nadia so she still is in paris and uh, she has a practice and she's good she said you know this is going to be a piece of cake with the uh, acupuncture you're gonna go like you know it's gonna be fine don't worry i had um that's when i met my yoga teacher well that's when i met yoga and my yoga teacher all in the same day and oh, wow. mm-hmm. and so my yoga teacher who was who was called and Aline Frati she told me okay don't worry about you we're gonna do this you're gonna do this we're, you're gonna come in class and I said you sure I mean I'm gonna you know lose my hair and, uh, and she said well, she looked at me like you know big deal Mm-hmm. And so I was ready for it. And I overall, with all this help between the yoga, the acupuncture, my therapist, um, I mean, my you know, uh, support system, my parents, my friends, it had end, ended up to be a fairly, fairly reasonable ride. The majority of this, the support group came and rallied around you at the time of the chemotherapy versus earlier on during the surgery? Yes, Yes, yes. It's yeah. Between the surgery and when the chemotherapy started, about a month that I got everybody around me. And I sure. met all these new modalities and also these new people. 
Yeah. Now, were you into like other holistic and alternative treatments prior to? Have you already been exposed to some of like the acupuncture and Eastern medicines? Absolutely not. I was okay. totally uninterested. I mean, I had, as far as I was concerned, a body that functioned enough yeah. to make me go to party in the weekends and go to um, to work in the, during the day. And, and that's all I cared for. I didn't understand. I mean, I, I wasn't available to that kind of uh, modality. I wasn't interested. And sure. just, yeah, you know. Yeah, I was similar. Um, you know, I was diagnosed at the age of 34, so still considered young, not going to regular mammogram screenings because there was no family history and I wasn't 40 yet. And I was a strict vegan at the time. So I considered myself similar to you, just incredibly healthy, never really had a major illness in my life, never broken bones, like everything was just fine. You know, the blood work always looked good. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, gosh, I think um, there's a lump. And we better get this checked out. Of course, the story got like a little crazy in between all of that, advocating for ourselves, had to say like, you know, you know, it's nothing, you know, how the doctors like to think it's just a cyst. It's not a big deal. Um, you know, but it's interesting how we go from these amazing, healthy lives, living our lives and, you know, yeah, the partying, the socializing, the working, the career. And then literally when I got cancer, for me, it forced me to like pause. I didn't realize how busy and perhaps stressed I was. I was preparing for a trip actually. Um, I'm in education as well. And I was preparing for a trip with another faculty member to take a cohort of students down to Chile. And we were having our pre-departure orientation before we left. And I had to call this faculty member and say, you know, I have a medical issue. I don't think I can go with you. I am incredibly sorry for the last minute notice. And, you know, just, again, working with my employer and finding, you know, a replacement and substitute was fine. But I was just like, I had to stop traveling. I had to take time off from work. And I had to, I just remember having to cancel so many plans, like going to conferences, presenting, writing, like life I had to literally go on like pause. My body was like, I'm giving you cancer to make you stop doing all this crazy, ambitious things that we do. And it's just so you know, I'm, I'm reflecting on that now hearing your story. And it's just amazing how our bodies, you know, if we don't, if we're not in tune with them, they will find a way to make us listen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was my first yeah. lesson. And, and I was 42. Yeah. I mean, wow. in my case, I was overworked. I, I didn't really know it because I was so overworked that I wasn't aware of it. And I was also coming out of a relationship that was uh, painful and and so just navigating life and thinking all oh, all this is normal and and just uh, just also overworked in a work that I did not give me that much sense of purpose. It was still interesting. Mm. So I mean, all this in a very fast pace. Yes, cancer also gave me a very big hammer on the head and say, well, this is it. You got to stop. Tell me about acupuncture. I have heard amazing things about it. I have yet to actually practice it, try it, and sign up for it. One of the issues here in the U.S. is it's just so incredibly expensive, and I haven't invested in that part of my health just yet. But I am curious to hear if you can tell me a little bit about what the um, acupuncture was like for you and then how it helped complement the chemotherapy you were going through. I mean, it's uh, it was extremely helpful, uh, and it's like any mo healing modality. I think it has to do with the healer himself or herself. Mm -hmm. I have a, I had a complete trust into Nadia Wolf, 
And uh, I, I, what I, what happened is that after each chemo, if every three weeks, um, I waited, I had to wait about three, four days, and then go and see her so that she would put needle and bring my energy back up. Because of course, oh, you know, okay. as you know, what, well, I don't know if you know if you know if you went through chemo, but one of the problems of chemo is that it it brings you more into a lower energy again and again and again. That's really the problem. It's not, I mean, you know, emotionally, that's the problem. Well, right. with her session of acupuncture, she was able to boost that energy up so that I was, I would spend the next, the following two weeks in an almost normal state and prepare myself for the following chemo session. I see. Okay. So it was crucial to see her. Yes. And I hear that a lot too with acupuncture as well. And just what I've studied about it is that it helps rebalance some of that energy and that flow in your body as well and opening up some of those gateways that could be blocked. So, you know, I think that's, I'm excited. I mean, one of these days it's going to be on the list of things to do. I just haven't signed up yet. <laughs> do, do it tomorrow. It's it's really one of those modalities. Really? that do, I mean, I do it now as a, every month as a just maintain, maintenance. Oh, okay. Just maintain. I don't wait now for a crisis. I go every month or yeah. every two months. It depends, you know. Okay. Just for maintenance. Well, that's good to know too. So you can do it just like once a month. I wasn't sure if you had to do it like weekly or. No, no, there's like, no. And you no. can discuss okay. that with the acupuncturist. Oh, okay. That's great too. Because as I'm thinking about my budget and everything, like that's more realistic, right? And like treat myself. And we talk a lot so much about like the self-care and prioritizing our health. Um yeah, I was I was just telling um, my boyfriend, William, about that, too. I was like, once a month, I'm going to do something for myself, like get a massage or, you know, go do, um, you know, Reiki or something that's just like fun and exciting and totally for me. And that's been I've started that just a couple months ago. And, and I love it. I look forward to it every four weeks. So I'll definitely add acupuncture to the list. I would recommend it. Yeah. Do they put the needles all over your body or do they focus on a specific area? It depends. Depends how you okay. show up uh, with and, and, you know, it depends of the healer, of the acupuncturist, what you tell him, her, and what you need, and mm -hmm. what they need that you need, what they feel that you need. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not a, it's not mathematics, it's right, it's, a, it's, it's an art also, and it depends on the relationship right. with the acupuncturist. Okay. Yeah, all important things. So after your chemotherapy, then, um, was that the end of your treatment or did you have to also have radiation? No, I had the radiation, which was oh. a walk in the park, of course, you know, um, after chemotherapy. And, <laughs> you know, it was just the at the end of this uh, ordeal. Sure. Yeah. So you responded well and your skin was OK with yeah. all of the, yes. the exposure. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then back to work. No. I, okay. uh, you see, I I did get a lesson out of this. I mean, emotionally, I was um, off um, my chair completely. I mean, mm -hmm. the fact of having cancer was so surreal that I had to stop. And, and in therapy, I had to realize that all I did in my life was run, 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 run. And and so, and I, I, I just, you know, in France, um, when you have a serious illness like this and you work in, as an employee, you have um, you, you can be quite a while on, on sick leave. In this case, okay. I was on a sick leave for 12 months. So paid 100% okay. of the time and 100% uh, of my salary, but on a sick leave. No work okay. for 12 months. So, and I, I mean, I needed this 
stop this pause. Plus, I was starting to do yoga. I was connecting to my body in a way that I had never connected before. Sure. An an extraordinary amount of tiredness came up. And my Mm. teacher made sure I saw it. I didn't just, you know, go in class and then run back. Said, are you Mm. seeing what is happening? This is serious. Wow. If you go back and you run back to what you were doing, you're going to get, you're going to get back exactly, you're going to get exactly what you got. Mm. So it's, you know, I, everybody, all there was lights everywhere telling me, this is your chance to live differently, reboot completely. And I was in a system, you know, because of the healthcare that I could. So I took a year right. off and I said, okay, let's just, reassess everything Amazing. which I I mean you know I had to even reassess who I was because I was so much of what I was doing I was a corporate journalist writing articles for corporate magazines you know have a nice office a nice you know the, part of a nice yeah. email, you, you know in Paris you know like uh, I had an identity I had a you know a um, social aura I don't know how you call it yeah so absolutely had, yeah so in 12 months I had to remove myself from all of this and say well who am I hmm. who am I without this because all of a sudden I wasn't taking the metro to go anywhere um I you know my friends I my friends at work I didn't speak to them really um I I needed the break and I wasn't doing anything it's really the most important thing for me it was like I'm not beating myself up and I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. So I think sometimes we find ourselves too in that like forced solitude to confront who we are and really ask ourselves like the, the mask is gone. We can't hide behind the computer screen, the job title, the, um, you know, the apartment, the location, when you strip all of that away and say, okay, at the core and in the essence of like, who am I? And who do I want to become? What is my purpose? And what is the gift that I can give and share with the world? So I think it definitely takes some deep soul searching. And it doesn't happen overnight, too. It's definitely a process to do some inner work. And it can be painful because you're forced to confront some things that maybe we've been burying that we don't want to confront as well. So in this year, then, you got to experience your practicing yoga finding time to really heal yourself organically and naturally from the inside out. Exactly. It was a year of meeting myself. Mm, I Uh, like that. Yeah. Connecting with myself. I started visiting museums in the middle of the week. I started going to music festivals, um, which I had stopped going because, you know, I just, I was just so tired all the time. I couldn't spend a weekend, you know, even in a concert. I mean, sometimes, but not all the time, all of a sudden I started dancing, going to concerts, uh, museums, calling friends to show me a part of Paris that I didn't know. I mean, you know, all those things that I had just, you know, just, I was blind to. And also I did a lot of yoga. I went to yoga retreats with my teacher Mm-hmm. who organized a, a wonderful yoga retreat in a wonderful place at the foot foot uh, hills of the Alps. Um, oh, I mean, you know, just, yeah. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> exactly. exactly. 
I was reading your story. One of the things that jumped out at me was your yoga teacher seeing in you that you should become a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me yes. about that experience. Were you expecting that at all? Did you, I mean, you started practicing and it seemed to be very beneficial. Did you ever think your career would pivot in that direction? So, no, I didn't see that coming at all. I, again, I was such in a mode since I was a young adult, I programmed myself to be a professional. That was what expected from my parents. You know, you, you, it was that generation, you know, yes. they want the good for me and they wanted me to be uh, you know, financially independent. And so I had to have a certain status or that's what I thought. And so mm-hmm. I went to, you know, when I was in those yoga classes, of course, I had always loved dancing, but I put that behind me. When I, you know, became a young adult, I thought, okay, this is not serious. This is not for me. I need to be a professional. Mm -hmm. And so Aline saw the love of movement, of dance, and dance that I had in me. Not that I was specifically, you know, wonderfully good at yoga. I just, I think she just felt that Mm -hmm. longing that I had buried. She was very intuitive, Mm -hmm. like exceptionally intuitive. Yes. And and so, you know, just in the middle of the class one day, well, right after she said, you need to teach. And I'm like, whoa, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then when she said those words, of course, I, you know, all that, those dreams of being a dancer came back, you know, and doing Mm -hmm. theater. And I'm like, could I really do that? You mean I don't have to be a, like a, like a corporate professional? You know, it just kind of opened a window that was closed for a long time. Isn't that amazing how someone can just mention something and put like this faintest idea in your head and you're like, wow, how many personal barriers that invisible barriers that we put onto ourselves that, you know, really we can like need to shatter and push over and, you know, allow ourselves to really hone in on that creativity and that space of really who we are. Sounds like your teacher too, also with this like intuition and being able to read the student is different than some of the more traditional like 200 hour yoga training practices, et cetera. Can you tell me a little bit about the yoga practice and and where you find yourself in kind of bringing together these different yoga modalities into what is actually innately and beautifully your type of style of yoga? I mean, although I'm a yoga therapist, I'm Curiously, I'm not a yoga expert. So I'll Mm. tell you, you know, as I know, you know, as I can tell you with my own words. Aline used to, um, she passed away in 2018. Mm. And and she, uh, right until she died, um, she used to teach a yoga that I never have seen taught ever again, anywhere, whether in France or in the States, ever. So her style of yoga, to make it really clear for the audience it was extremely slow movements, extremely easy movements for the most part. So accessible for absolutely anybody. Mm. And um, the focus that she put was on the breathing, the yoga breathing. And so the, the, the combination of both the slow movements and the breathing made me connect deeply with my body with the sensations in my body and even beyond the sensations what intuitively my body was saying to me Mm. that's the kind of yoga that I got connected with first then when I went into a 200 hour yoga teacher training I was connected to another type of yoga that was more sports-like 
Mm-hmm. Not that it's good or bad, it's just different. Sure. Yeah. So Aline yoga, Aline's yoga and the one the yoga that I practice and I teach is really all about bringing a person and me uh, to to bridge that distance between the soul and the body. How how do you define yoga therapy? What what does that mean for you? What it means for me specifically uh, is to use yoga as a one of the modalities to help a person be um, happier with themselves, their body, their relationships with others, with emotions, and with uh, their life goals. It's one only of the modalities. It's not all of it. That's me. I'm very aware that other yoga therapists out there really use yoga and yoga majorly and only as the hidden modality. I don't. I believe that um, the yoga that I facilitate is very helpful. I also believe it's not enough to heal. I believe that to heal, we also need to name our wounds. And so as a yoga therapist, I use both what I call circle work, whether it's private sessions or in group sessions, um, circle work for clients to name what is happening with them, what is going on with them in their lives, what is um, what they're really truly feeling. And I also use the type of yoga that I learned for many. Both are just as important. There's not one that's more important. Actually, sometimes I do more the circle work than I do the yoga work. So I'm curious, you mentioned that you had a second cancer as well. Was it a second breast cancer? Yes. Same uh, same cancer, actually, same breast, 10 years later. And um, I mean, I was married then. Uh, I had moved to the States, got married. And again, 10 years later, I got myself in a situation where I felt exhausted. So once again, I pushed myself to the limits. This time it was not for the, not so much for the job. I had resigned from the corporate job. I had become a a freelance corporate writer. Uh, I still had a client that was very demanding. Uh, So it was, but I mean, it was never... It was nowhere near as difficult as it was when I was an employee, a manager, Uh, but it was still demanding. And also, I just exhausted myself into satisfying other people's needs because that's what I knew. That's why I had programmed for almost. So even with with, with all this alternative healing, I had gone back to the same pattern. At least that's how I see it. And so I, I, I went, you know, same, you know, on a yearly mammogram uh, checkup. And this time I had noticed a little bit of a shadow on my breast, maybe two months earlier and started thinking, oh, but no, no, that's nothing, you know. And then, of course, you know, I go to the, I go back to Paris. I used to go, oh, I still go back to Paris on my mammogram. 
And um, the uh, radiologist said, um, yeah, it's not good. It's cancer. You got to go back to your doctor, oncologist. He wasn't sure, sure, but I mean, I know that, I mean, my radiologist is a, he specialized in breast. So just him, you know, asking for a biopsy, I'm like, okay, I got to stop being ready. Well, looking back at it for me, you know, um, I mean, as I say, uh, I was exhausted. I had exhausted myself both times. And not only in terms of doing a lot, but also doing things for others. So meaningless stuff. You know, the, the, doing a lot of things that had meaning for others, but none for me. And I think there's a price that we pay for that. You know, whether it can be cancer or maybe an accident or something, you know. So um, I... I mean, this time, that second time was definitely, for me, an opportunity to go deeper into the self-search, soul-search. It was, I, mean, I don't know if you're going that way, but, you know, it's, it's just, it was just so much an obvious thing for me. Like, okay, so this time this is, I cannot go halfway. I immediately had the impression after that uh, second diagnosis that I had done some of the work but didn't have the courage to do all of it. So, uh, yeah, so that's I think I, you're on that, though, for a minute, like to have the courage to do all of that. I think that is like, very pertinent. It's scary. It's, you know, it, I, w- I was talking to William not too long ago when I had this this kind of breakdown moment and he was like, oh, is that like you know, the rock bottom, you hit like a low point and now you're ready to pull yourself up. And I'm like, no, I reached the top of the mountain and I'm ready to jump. Like, I'm so ready to like make a change. And it was just a kind of this funny comparison of like, no, I'm not rock bottom. I'm like way up here and I'm ready to like embrace. And so, you know, I think when you're saying there's the courage to go deeper is is really powerful. So I just wanted to stop and like, just hear that again. That was really um, resonated. And so- when you're when you had the second diagnosis, was it also early stage, or has it did it metastasize to other parts of your body at that time? Well, it, it went to a, a two lymph nodes. Okay. So it it had got you know a little worse. Sure. Um, and I was like, oh my god, it got my lymph nodes. You know, it's like I was yeah. Oh. And. Um, yeah, I you know another I had to go back chemo i of course i hoped to avoid it yes that's oh <laughs> like of course not <laughs> like i've already done this why am i doing this again <laughs> so yeah I, I went to um to my oncologist and i you know, said no i mean we we, we need to uh, we, well actually even before the surgery there was a whole discussion i mean that happened i, I my 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 surgeon and uh, gynecologist, he was the same guy, uh, said, you know, we can do a tumorectomy again. This is very localized. I can pretty sure, I'm sure I can do this. And oh my God, when he said that, even the second time, I was like, this spoke to me. I had had issue with my femininity when I was a teenage girl. So keeping my breast, even as damaged it would be, it would have been, for me, was crucial. Mm-hmm. 
So we, we shook hands and said, okay, let's do this. Yes, let's do this. And then two days before the surgery, he called me. He said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I spoke too fast because I had to give your, um, like your file to a commission. That's the way it was. it's done in France yep. you know, when there's cancer. And the mm -hmm. commission decided that you had to have a mastectomy. Oh, wow. And I was like two days before surgery. And I'm like, what? So he he was I mean he was he was kind enough and and also mature enough to tell me um just know that you are the one who decides I will follow you. So you know I churns for two days and I was staying with my parents at the time and my father was like yeah do the mastectomy go do the mastectomy and my mom's like well listen to you listen to you and I yes I said, oh, I'm not going to do the mastectomy I don't care about the commission I'm going to do what my soul tells me this is my doctor mm -hmm. so um yeah I called the doctor and I said no no let's go with the first idea let's do it to me yep and that's what we did yeah you got clear margins and everything was fine Yeah, everything was fine. I, the only thing that was not fine is the mending the, of the uh, the scar. Okay. Because there was we did he did a tumorectomy on a breast that had already radiation, so damaged tissue. Yes. And so the mending I, I, I don't know the other word in English, but it went it I I got a there was a bacteria that got into it, and oh, so okay. yeah, the scar would not close. So I got infection. It was localized. I had the infection at the beginning of the chemo. We just had to work along with this. Yeah. So yeah. weirdly enough, that's when the best stuff happened also. The worst and the best. Really? Yeah. So the infection was going on and it, it translated into like a liquid, lymph liquid going out, out from the scar. Like nonstop, nonstop. I had to have a, you know, a thing on my bra to protect the. Anyway, it was just, you know, an ordeal. And then one day I went to this yoga retreat with my teacher and she went, she gave us into, I mean, she put us into um, poses that were very slow, but so deep and to so much breathing that um, there was a, I, I could see the, I could feel also the infection coming out from that, my breast. And it did right after the the yoga retreat. Wow. Yeah. Like so it all just like oozed out. It all just came out of you. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yes. And it created a hole inside my breast, a hole of, I don't know, one centimeter, maybe, maybe a half a centimeter deep. It's quite big, you know, it's, mm -hmm. but it was a hole. And my surgeon was like, oh, thank goodness for that. Because I know now it's not going to be an infection. It's going to spread in your body. Okay. Now we can talk about healing. And also that infection going through the lymph nodes, liquids for months, really, he said, well, you know what? Even if there was some cancer cells somewhere in the armpits, everything, it's all going out. So in one way, I love your infection. You know, it's, yes. it's all, uh, I learned so wow. much about the body and whatever. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think in general, the body wants to heal itself. In general, the body wants to like fight the the negative and get it out of us. And so, you know, I think that's just an amazing, you know, physical metaphor of everything that you were experiencing and going on with life that it just needed to flush itself out. Yeah, exa exactly. And so 
the men, so the, the, the scar, the hole had to mend from the bottom up. Otherwise, okay. the infection would have gone back. And that took six months. And it took the exact time for me to see clear also with what I was going to do with my marriage, my life. It took six months. So, you know, but mind, body, soul, all the same. And how are you doing now and today? So fast forward to where we are in the present. Yeah. Well, I'm doing great. I, I mean, I, 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 I know it's very American to say that, but I am doing great. <laughs> no, I'm happy. I, I, you know, I, I'm finally looking at my, at who I am. I have finally had the courage to look at my life purpose, my true needs. I, you know, I left. I left my marriage. That was not easy. I, it was something I had to do to find myself. And I left my 30-year corporate career once and for all. And I started looking at what is my purpose and, 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 and helping others heal through yoga therapy as I know it, as I like it, as I believe in it, is, is, is my life work. So that's what you're doing now is like connecting with yes. others to help them heal. Not necessarily cancer patients, but anyone who's looking anyone. to go on this journey. Yeah. Yeah. And do you see people in person in Atlanta or do you also offer like virtual options for people? Both. 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 Okay. Right. So people listening can can follow you and find you and yeah. Yeah, connect yeah. No, with it's, you. It's, uh, it, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. To find me. And, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's uh, private sessions can be both in private or in person. With the, it, it depends. Some people right now with the pandemic, you know, are comfortable in person yeah. and others not. And, and I have sure. a small group class. It's all, I mean, any class I teach is very small. If it's a group because it's the nature I, of how I teach. Okay. So, yeah. And do you have a website? How do people find you? Yes, so it's www.elizabeth, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H, dash, peruca, P-E-R-U-C-C-A, dot com. Wonderful. Well, we'll definitely be able to link to that in the show notes so people who are listening can find you and connect with you and, you know, not only just share their experiences, but also learn from you and you know, this whole conversation around integrative and holistic care to really break down barriers that, you know, where we experience day to day. It's amazing just, you know, sometimes even leaving the house, I have to take a deep breath because it's like I'm going out there and I'm exposing myself to to the crazy world and, you know, all the different toxicities and the air and the pollution and even the people and the stresses that are around us. It's just kind of putting on that battle shield before I leave my house. <laughs> Um, and then you realize I come home and I'm just like, okay, now I need to like meditate and relax and unwind and really literally cut the strings of this film that I collected when I'm interacting with everybody else. Cause yeah. I really believe in that energy piece too. Like, you know, they're it's so, contagious. Yeah. Being a yoga therapist, tell people tell me a lot about energy and yes, I do believe in energy. I do believe also that having people around you that you can be yourself with. And speak your truth is absolutely vital. I do believe that. I mean, energy work on its own, I, I, I think is not enough. There is that piece that we need to name who we are, whether we're 
cancer survivor or any other kind of survivor because really if we're alive we're a survivor of something exactly exactly that's why i say it's surviving breastcancer.org all the time it's surviving we are actively doing it it's not a passive role Elizabeth, this has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your experience with being diagnosed twice with breast cancer, the amazing work that you are doing as a yoga therapist and how you are actively healing yourself from everything that you've personally gone through and how you're passing that forward and helping others in our community. So thank you very much. And thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Breast Cancer Conversations. I am so glad you tune in each week when we drop episodes on Monday mornings. If you have not yet subscribed to our mailing list, please do so. You can do so at survivingbreastcancer.org. Please give us some reviews on Apple Music or wherever you get your podcast. Stars, likes, comments, they all help. And be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram at survivingbreastcancer.org, as well as our podcast specifically, which is Breast Cancer Conversations. Our Twitter handles are SBC underscore ORG. And I think that's it. So thank you. Definitely say hi, DM us, and we will catch you next time. Oh, and how can I forget a disclaimer? All of our content on our podcast is for information purposes only and peer-to-peer support. If you do have questions, please be sure to contact your medical professionals. All right. Keep on thriving. Until next time.